Hello everyone, this is Shweb Khan here at Anti Small Talk, and today I'm delighted to announce this is our sixth episode in our Heroes Without Capes Voices from Within the Classroom. During this series, we've been getting to know our nation's educators, a little bit about their backstory, their inspirations, their pet peeves. I am absolutely excited to announce that we will be joined today by Eli, who goes at This Food Bangs. This is one for the ages. Absolutely excited. Hello, Eli, and welcome to Anti Small Talk. Yes, way, man. Listen, I'm excited. I'm super excited to be here uh, on Anti Small Talk. I just want to tell, say, say, Mum, I made it, man. I made it. <laughs> you know what? For our listeners, yeah, me and Eli met at a Peterborough service station, and that man. day I wasn't going to leave the house. I wasn't going to leave the house. And man. for a guy who talks about all these exponential cuisines, these incredible like, <laughs> meals. I saw him munching McDonald's. I'm thinking, what's going on? What is going on here? No, bro, you're blowing up my spot, you know. <laughs> I was expecting some Gordon Ramsay, you know, some sort of like sushi or some 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 five course meal or something. But no, it was incredible. Actually, I've actually one of the only guests I've actually met physically. But even then, bro, you, I, the, the connection was automatic and just felt yeah. that authentic energy straight away, man. You're you're a great guy. Yeah, no, I, I, I listen. Likewise, man. Uh, feeling is mutual absolutely um it was great seeing you um i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe how small this world is the fact that we were messaging each other back and forth the, the day before yeah about 12 13 hours before 13 hours before and then i bumped into you out of nowhere on my way to lincoln with my boys to go film and bro, I, cu- I couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it it was you couldn't make this up honestly no, of but course honestly, not. you're a stand-up guy, and I, I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, man. You're, you're no, putting God us- bless you, man. I have people like you who are willing to collaborate and work. You know, there's a there's definitely an opportunity and scope to collaborate, and that's what we're all about: trying to support others and support one another as well. So, uh, Eli, my brother, okay, we've got loads of questions for you today. Okay, first of all, okay, for our audience, and we've got audience right around the world. Very fortunate, even in Bahrain, as far as Bahrain. Okay, uh, who is Eli and? Uh, what is this food bangs? Because I know what it is. I know what it brings. But there's people out there thinking they're talking about sauce in like in a strange sort of way. We're not quite comfortable. What's going on? So we need Whoa. to break that sort of cultural divide for people because they're getting a bit concerned. Listen, um, my name is Eli. Um, I'm a PE teacher um, at a secondary school setting. Um, I'm from Ghana. Um, funny enough, I was born in Nottingham. Um, but then my mum sent me to Ghana at the age of three. Uh, I wasn't that much of a hellraiser, don't worry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you get a lot of these students getting sent back to Africa because they're misbehaving. But oh, you get nah, that in mom... Pakistan as well, bro. You get that in Pakistan. <laughs> mum always threatened us. You're going back home. You're getting married at 12. This is it. This is it, you know. Um, but my mum, she was going through her own personal issues and mm. she sent me back to Ghana and I lived with my grandparents. I was raised in Ghana for about six to seven years. And yeah, I came back when in year four, so when I was about eight slash nine. And yeah, I'm you know uh, now I'm a British resident, British citizen, um, living in Northwest London. Um, yeah, now I'm a PE teacher. And yeah, you know it's it's enjoyable. Um, in terms of this food bangs, yeah, this food bangs basically is um, is basically showcasing banging food and the people behind the plate. So I don't know if people know my YouTube channel. Um, so my YouTube channel is called This Food Bangs. And what I do is that I explore different cuisines. I explore 
you know, the culture, not just the cuisine, not just the food, but the story just the, culture, it. the history, mm-hmm. the story um, is beautiful because what it is, is that food is almost the gateway uh, and the access to mm-hmm. all these different sort of uh, topics that we can touch on. And, and food is, it makes the interview almost seem informal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's the beauty of me doing this food bangs and I love it. And, you know, you've watched it and, you know, I hope you've enjoyed it um, and taking in a little bit of culture. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about, really. So it's just about exploring different cuisines and getting to know the people, getting to know the, the history, the culture and, and the food. And the food is amazing. I've had the, the pleasure of tasting uh, exquisite yet yeah, and, and exotic food uh, cuisines from all over the gaff. So. Yeah, man, that's what this food bangs is, man. You know what honestly, I mean? Honestly, like this uh, for our listeners as well, it's a fantastic channel. I watched the most recent one in Morocco, and um, you bring such a um, honest reflection of what you're having as well. You're humble to the story behind the the, the cuisine that's put together. Uh, yeah. you, it's, it's incredible. I'm really hoping that we see it on these food channels on TV where you get the same four or five people: Jamie Oliver, Paul Hollywood, etc. But People like yourself, you know, there's uh, such an authenticity there that I really, I really hope that my listeners listening out there to subscribe and follow because it's an incredible channel and something very different. You know, we don't get many BAME cooks on TV. I think the most famous one I'm growing up was, you know, Ainsley Harry, and we ain't seen him for years. God knows what they've done with him. <laughs> big up Ainsley, big up Ainsley. Big you, up know Ainsley. I mean? uh, you know, and that's the thing, you know, there's no one that's, that looks like me that is doing what I'm doing and probably there is, but not have that, um, that platform, you Mm. know what I'm saying? To, to, to have their face plastered on our TV screen, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I do it. I do it because one, I enjoy it and I love it. And two, because yeah, man, there's not, there's not many people like me doing this, you know Mm. what I'm saying? And I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I enjoy getting to know the people and, now, honestly, thank you very much. If if you do have some spare time, tune in to this food bangs. As this food bangs with a Z, um, you you you'll have a great time. Honestly, I've I've enjoyed it, and it's quite funny as well. Yes, to be fair, yes, uh, got a good little mix of comedy in there. So I'll definitely leave your link in the bio as well. But that is a channel definitely worth worth having a look at and considering. And also a way of breaking that cultural mode because you use uh, the linguists of the street, which myself and you also are very accustomed with. But many of our yeah. educators listen to this. They're not, they're not aware of certain words and phrases that we use and they get a bit taken aback and clenched up. So in a way, in a way brother, you're also kind of like creating a gateway for those teachers, which is uh, implicitly incredible as well. It's, um, you're opening up the world for people in a way, not just you know, through the food, but also the language you're using as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. You know, um, I remember my partner, Olivia, so she, we recorded her and initially I was, I was like, oh, should I change my language? Should I speak in a certain way, especially on Twitter and whatnot? And initially I was like almost having to adopt this different character. And she was like, no, you know, Eli, just be yourself. People love you for just being who you are. Don't change the way you speak. Don't compromise anything. Don't compromise yourself. This is who you are. This is where it's how you were brought up. It's how you were raised. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, it's, it's just me being authentic and being true to who I am and to myself. I met uh, Carl, Carl Pupe. Shout out to Action Hero Teacher. And, uh, Big up. Yeah, Big up. What, what a guy. I met him as well. Very similar. We first had a conversation. He's almost like mm. he sat in my living room. 
and I was comfortable yeah. with it and it was cool and mm-hmm. and not only that he just he was he's able to be himself and if you've got a platform you you're yourself included you've built it being yourself so remain yourself people love you for you are and I know they love your work and a long way that continue cheers man thank you very much man thank you very much Eli so you mentioned growing up in Ghana okay having some time with your grandparents okay yeah. growing up like for me my grand grandfather's massive role model for me growing up but for yourself who were your role models growing up Oh, man, my role models. You know what? It's going to shock people, but it's my sister. And the reason why I I say my sister is because uh, my sister taught me about empathy at such a young age. Because I grew up with my grandparents in a rural part of Ghana, not in the city, Mm. you know, in the village. And we had nothing. I ain't going to lie to you. We had nothing. My mom would send rations every now and again. Um, And, and, you know, I, I, I caught malaria. I caught the yellow fever. I was malnourished. And at that time, I honestly, I think at the time I was thinking, at such a young age, I was thinking, I'm going to die. This is it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And my sister, bless her, she lived in the city. She was, you know, she was going to school in the, in the capital city of Ghana, Accra. And she came and she saw me out of nowhere. And she was like, I can't have my little brother be suffering like this. You know what I'm saying? So she took me under her wing at a young age, tender age of 16, 17. She looked after myself and my brother. And it was there where I learned how to, how to love unconditionally, how to care for someone else, you know, and how to be so just not how, just how to be so given, you know, she had, we honestly, whatever, bit of money she had she would give to me and that's who inspired me that's who you know I that's where I get the empathy from that's where I get the love from you know it's and it's you could just see it from her eyes you know when she had nothing she would be on her last drop of water she'll give it to you just to make sure that you're okay Mm -hmm. and that's where I learned it from because when I was in the rural part of Ghana I was very selfish you know, if the food came to me, I was just munching it straight away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she taught me to just share, to love, to just care. You know what I mean? And empathy is a big thing for me. Um, being able to empathize with another human being, I think, is, is, is a big thing for me. It's a big that's thing. But that's, that's one of my inspirations. Growing up, um, if we, um, I, I used to love Michael Jackson. <laughs> He used to do. Uh, listen, Ghanaians love Michael Jackson. You know? I've got a couple of Ghanaian friends. They love Michael Jackson. They won't lie. They send me some memes here and there, which is it's awkward, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Used to used to bust some moves, Michael Jackson moves, and then you know, obviously, I, as I got older, you know, I started reading more books, um, reading about Malcolm X and Malcolm X, yes. Martin Luther King. Good, good, you know, great books, great individuals. Um, you know, my my teacher, my PE teacher. Um, he was good. He was very helpful in getting me to participate in sport. And the way he taught me wasn't always about the subject. It was all, it was like life skills, you know, mm. how we can, you know, implement certain situations in a football game and how we can also use that in life. And that was beautiful, just the way he did that. Um, yeah, so... Right now, you know, I'm inspired by Anthony Bourdain, 
who, you know, he travels the world and, you know, he sits with people and eats cuisines and explores their culture. And, you know, it's, it's, it's history, it's, it's, it's culture, it's people, it's life, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And that's, that's who inspires me now. So, yeah, I mean, throughout my years, I would say that my, you know, I've always been inspired by different people, especially as I've gotten older, mm. for sure. Now, your sister sounds like an incredible, incredible person. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, really emotional, actually, just thinking about um, how she's brought you up. And I can see in your eyes, when I met you as well, I can see that there's a lot of love and empathy there. You're just a very warm person. And uh, I can see that that's a ripple effect that she's created on you. And now you've also developed the same sort of skills. And, and empathy is important, especially to our teaching. I can imagine you're like that as a teacher as well. I can imagine when you've got that more holistic, empathetic approach, which is what teaching should be about anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you, if you don't understand what these kids are going through, you know, there's always going to be that barrier between you and, the, and these kids. You know, you need to understand, you need to try and just put yourself in their shoes. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, you know, people always be like, oh man, period five, the kids will go bonkers. The kids will go nuts. Mm -hmm. Come, come the end of the day when they come to your lesson, I'm just like, mate, wouldn't you, you've, you've been in a classroom for four hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, trying to take in so much information, you're going to go nuts. You know, we, we're not designed like that. We're designed to move. We're designed to explore and, 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 and learn things through, you know, just learn things kinesthetically. You know, yeah, you can bring it in the classroom, but at the same time, it's like not all the time classroom. And you, got, you just have to try and understand these kids, where they're from, their background, their, their livelihoods, you know, their upbringing so that every now and again you, can, you have to put yourself and place yourself in their shoes so yeah man empathy is a big thing for me no you're absolutely correct and i think you and i both we're sort of educators who we don't how can i put it the nicest possible without offending anyone we're not really those pedagogical teachers are we we're not one of those teachers who read loads of books and implement all these strategies if anything we work on relationships and building the relationships with our students and people we hear about all the time relationships are important they're the bread first, and yeah. first, first thing is relationship. Mm. Having a rapport with the students. Understand your students. Mm. Understand your students. That's my rule number one is try and understand your students. Try and understand the way they are. Mm. You know, try and dig in, dig into their brains and try and get, just get something from them so that you know what you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Not everyday books. Yeah, open your book, write this, write that. You might have a student that's coming in saying, bro, today I'm not on it today. You need to understand why. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's Sometimes you've got to... Yeah. Differentiation, isn't it? It's very basic differentiation at a very basic individual level. Simple, simple. And you know, some days I just say, you know what, close the book. Mm. Let's have a chat. Mm. What's going on? Mm. Not every day. Don't, let's not try and force. I, you know, I, I used to be that teacher. I was trying to force it on them, force mm. the work on them. I'm like, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not going to happen. You've got to take the L. <laughs> just take the L and just move on and really try and understand why that kid is feeling like that. Absolutely. I've, I've had lessons, Eli, where, you know, they've destroyed me. Like, I've been destroyed by students. Trust me, they've finished mm. me. I won't leave. I'll have the room nearly crying sometimes. And you think, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you think, they've just had four or five lessons have probably been shouted at. They've probably not been treated very well. They've probably had to do the same thing over and over again. They come to your lesson mm -hmm. seeking refuge, seeking support, uh, seeking mm. an opportunity to be themselves and if we can mm. do it on podcasts why can't we do it in our classroom 
simple simple you know we can have all these conversations uh, in classroom you know i think these conversations are most important the most important you know <laughs> i'll give you an example like the other day in in the gcse pe class we had, I had to calculate you know maximal heart rate and i think the a formula by using a formula and it got to a point i'm like i'm trying to work this out but you know sometimes my brain just goes dead and i said guys just take out your phones work it out on your phones you know what i mean yeah. because that's the way it's the world we live in now you know what i'm saying like, everyone's just gone a bit brain dead you know period five everyone's just tired and i'm just like take out your phones work it out because it's the real world you know that's what we're going to be doing in the real world anyways exactly, exactly. absolutely and a shortcut never killed anyone did it to be honest well it might have killed no. someone across the road you know uh yeah, well, it's a different story yeah. we'll, go, we'll go into that we'll go into that no but Eli, one thing that i really um knew straight away when i spoke to you you and i shared sort of our view on education and sort of the pet peeves we've got so yeah my current views are very open. I'm very open about how I feel about the education system. Mm. Eli, how do you feel about the current education? We could talk about this for hours, by the way. So let's try and sneak this into like a small 10-minute slot where we'd have a discussion, if possible. How do I feel about the education system? Carl said, Carl said to me very openly, we are teaching 21st century kids with 18th century, techno- uh, te- uh, 18th century ideas. Absolutely agree. I totally agree with Carl Pupe. Shout out to Carl Pupe. Actually, he's your teacher because... That's, that's, that's how I'll sum it up. Mm. It's very ancient, um, very laboured. It doesn't allow room for creativity. Mm. That's what the education system is doing. We are nullifying these kids from being creative. And we are constantly letting these students, we're teaching them compliance mm. all the time. Compliance. Mm. Write like this, underline like that. Why are you writing like that? You know, they're following instructions all the time. You know what I'm saying? And what, what, what that's doing is that you're killing their creativity. Mm. And right now, the way the world is moving, we're moving into a different era now. Mm. What COVID has done is that it's fast-forwarded life by five to ten years. Mm. Okay? So right now, the, these students that we're teaching, some of these things we're teaching they will, they might not even end up using it. Mm. They might not end up using it. You know what they ask my, my students ask me um, in my GCSEP lesson, because we have big talks in the, you know, year 11, we always have big talks. They're like, oh, sir, what'd you get in maths? Your GCSE, I said, I've got a B. And they're like, do you ever, do you even use it? I said, what? Minus subtraction, you know, minus addition, multiplication, yeah. Pythagoras' theorem, never used it. Mm. Sine, cos, tan, never used it. Unless you're going to become an engineer, mm. then that's for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm. What we need to teach these kids is how to be creative and not kill their creativity. We need to teach them how to be resilient because right now the world is, is going to get dark soon. Of course it is. You know, it's getting really dark. Brexit is coming. Yep. Our country, don't, we don't create anything. We don't manufacture anything either. We don't manufacture anything. That's why we're always getting China. We're always begging China, yo, man them, I beg you come here to produce something. Yep. You know what I mean? You know, Maggie, Maggie Thatcher, deaded off the, the coal, the coal mining, the coal industry. Shipping industry as well. Yeah, absolutely. All gone. all gone. So, all gone. 
So where, what are we going to do? What, what do? what future do these kids have? You know what I mean? That's why, you know what? That's why when these kids go on YouTube and they're doing their thing, I support it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I support the thing because at the end of the day, I'm just like, yo, you know what? You're being creative. You're thinking outside the box. You're not listening to, you know, the the guys out there that say, yeah, go through education. There's nothing wrong with going through education. Mm. But sooner or later, you know, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I think it was called Seven Billionaires something. And I think the head of LinkedIn, the head of ITN and the head of something else. I mean, I don't know. But the LinkedIn guy said in about five to 10 years time, about 70 to 85, 90% of the jobs that exist today are not going to be around in five to 10 years time. Scary. This country is scary. We are in big trouble. So what are we teaching the kids? What are we getting them ready for? Honestly, we are honestly Eli, not too long ago, I had a child in my class said to me, so I want to be the next KSI. And everyone started laughing. I said to him, you know what, young man? Why not? KSI is a self, self-made millionaire. The guy is living, living at large. He's earning loads of money. He's, you know, he, he's collaborating with all these incredible people. Uh, he's doing boxing. You know, He's done really well for himself. And he's self-made. He didn't use the education system. Not, again, we're not saying the education system is flawed completely and he's dismantling. Yeah, and he's changing. We know that. And he's changing. There's got to be alternatives like apprenticeships. They've been destroyed. They've been destroyed. None. Apprenticeships, done. Vocational subjects, they're not rated anymore. They're all exams. They're all exams now. So they basically mm-hmm. bum, become normal subjects. All exam-based. I remember back in our day, we used to have... Remember when it came to year 10, year 11? They used to say, oh, work experience. Yep. Did you ever go on work experience? I did. I went to home. Bro. Two-week work experience, what that does is that it opens your eyes. It does. Because when you're in school, you're sheltered. Mm. So when you go outside in the real world, bro, I was dressing up in a suit. Mm, yes, I was. Like, yes, yes. You know, it, it kind of forces you to grow up a little bit. Of course, of course. You see the real world. You're taking the train. You're going to work. You're taking the bus, going to work. You're working on a sort of shift, and you're seeing how life really works. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's really good. You see that side of life and that could either motivate someone to say, bruv, I don't want to do nine to five. Or it could motivate someone and say, I can't wait to get in this industry and move up. You know what I'm saying? We, we're not doing, oh man, like so much needs to change, man. I feel sorry for these kids. I feel sorry for these kids because it's like, what's, what's in place for them? Look how family members are being made redundant. Mm. How do you think they're coping with that? Of course, of course, this trauma-based curriculum is, doesn't exist. You know, we are simply going back to the way it was before when, you know, we've got family members, you know, like you say, may have died from COVID, been made redundant, been furloughed. It's been a traumatic time and we've just thrown them straight back into deep end. Or go and learn maths, English and science after you've had six months of doing nothing. 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 You know what I mean, Shweb? It's like, what, what are we teaching them? Like, really and truly, come on. Me, personally, I'm a teacher. You know what I mean? And this is why I say, as teachers, be honest with your students. If your student comes up to you and say, so what does, what does the future hold for us in, in five years? I'll say, listen, I don't know. I'll be real with you. I don't even know what the future holds for me, and I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, they might even start bringing in technology and do my lessons for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. It might be all virtual, completely virtual, but you do it on Zoom and stuff. Completely virtual. I might be out of a job as well. Mm-hmm. So. Even teachers, we're not safe. Mm. 
we're not safe. And, and this is what I was telling my, my students. I'm like, guys, you've got to be creative. Really, really look at what's out there, what you can do, because the service industry is taking a massive hit. Yes. yes. And England, Britain, they thrive on the service industry. Mm. That's what really brings in, you know, money for us. Mm. They've taken a big hit. Hospitality's taken a big hit. Mm. What's there? Mm. You know, we don't make anything. We don't create anything. We, so therefore, here, ideas don't get manufactured. Mm. Our ideas, we haven't been trained to, like, come up with ideas. That's why places like China, Japan, they're constantly evolving. Of course, innovating. Constantly. They're constantly creating innovating. things. Yep, yep. Reading things because they, they've been taught to think that way. And Eli, I also think about it. They've also been told that failure is not a bad thing. Whereas in the Britain, we're told that failure, you fail, it's over. You have to pass um, your at 16. You have to go uni at, 20, at 18. You have to graduate by 21. You have to have a house by 25. You've got to be married by 30. Yeah. These, these set societal timelines, they're, they're flawed. And what, does, what that does is that it kills, it, it, mental health wise, is killing. Mm. Mental health is going through the roof. Let's, let's touch on failure because, I, you know, you made a very good uh, point there. Schools are teaching kids that failure is not an option. Hmm. I always tell my students, yeah, I'm like, guys, in my classroom, I will ask questions. Have you ever, have you noticed, yeah, when you ask questions in class, there's dead silence? There is, there is. Because everyone is scared. Hmm. To get the answer wrong, you laughed at, yeah. And I'm like, even, even when I set a little um, five marker or a little six marker, I'm like, guys, attempt it. It's okay. They're like, nah, sir, wait for you to give, give us the answer. I'm like, no, attempt it. It's okay. Hmm. It's fine. This is where you can fail. I'm, I'm telling you, it's okay if you get the answers wrong here. Because in life, you get it wrong. Hmm. And I want you to understand how you bounce back. How to bounce back from failure. Hmm. First, if someone had told me this in school, bro, I'll be, I would have been more courageous mm. in, my, in my younger years because mm. I was scared. We're scared to take risk in this country. Absolutely, absolutely. We take the safe option. We'll wait for the teacher to give us an answer or we won't answer until they reveal the, or give us hints and tips. It's, uh, again, that not taking that risk permeates when we're older in the office or when we're working you know, in industry or wherever we're working, you know, we'll, we'll take the safest option which will give us the equal amount of reward rather than doing something that's slightly risky and get a maximum reward out of it. So it permeates into our culture in the office, uh, in, uh, you know, in industry and where we work as in the occupation sector as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, Shuei, Ben. And this is where I'm like, we've got to teach these kids that failure is okay. Mm. It's okay to fail. It's okay to get things wrong. Mm. Take risk. But in the, in the midst of all of that, it's keep taking risk. Keep going. You know what I mean? Even my football team that I ran, I was telling my, we got to the final before COVID happened. We got to the final. And we, unfortunately for us, we didn't get to play the final. But in training sessions, I was like, guys, when you make mistakes, let's not get on each other's backs. Because in training, it's where you're supposed to make mistakes. Mm. You're not supposed to get it right here. In match play, that's a different story. You know what I'm saying? Mistakes and failure is okay. And this is why I say that in classrooms, we're nullifying their creativity. Mm. Because it, in, instead of them just going for it and writing the answers down, they, they, they're too 
you're too apprehensive, too scared, too clenched too up. Scared, on. Right? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And Eli, we can link that to how we treat our teachers and our NQTs. I've worked with some NQTs before, and they're so scared to try something different. They're so scared to try a new activity or innovate with their class. Ask if it's going to fail. We learn from failure. A lot of my worst lessons actually taught me the biggest, biggest personal lessons as a teacher. Mm. We, we play it safe, even in the classroom, you know, instead of doing I don't know, a group activity, we'll do a you know, textbook lesson. The inability to take risk, the, 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 the fear of failure, it's incredible. Oh, it's incredible. Honestly, it is incredible. I think it is it's seeped through from the head teacher through to the senior leaders, members, through to the head of departments, mm. through to us. Yep. Because we're like, I want to do this, but at the same time, if I do it, what it, oh, I don't know. I'm not too sure if I can teach like this. You know, so then we revert back to textbook writing, just copy the notes down from the board and yeah, let's move on. You know what I mean? I, I experiment with my, with my lessons all the time. I do something different all the time. You know what I mean? I try. And if it flops, it flops. We move. You know what I mean? Exactly. We move on. Exactly. Exactly. And that whole, uh, whole movement and that opportunity for error should be there, especially as a newly qualified NQT early years. You know, we talk about supporting them and praising them and giving yeah. them opportunities to be creative. I look at yeah. an NQT, a newly qualified teacher, as someone who should be taking risks, someone who should right. be making mistakes, someone we should be supporting and not jumping on and giving them the opportunity to, to really expand and, and you know, blossom later on rather than you know, trample on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you what, do you know what? It's a shame. That, you know, I've only started to conquer fear um, at, at, at now. Yeah. I'll be real with you. Lockdown taught me that. Look at you starting your podcast. You were shook, I like. You can't tell me that you weren't shook of like, you know, starting up because you're thinking, oh, what if someone doesn't like it? What if someone makes a, writes a negative comment? What if someone goes on Twitter and says that? Who cares? Bro, who cares? Like, even when I started this with Bangs, right? I was doubting myself because I'm like, bro, I'm a black guy, man. No one's going to watch a black guy talk about food. I'm not a food connoisseur. What am I doing? I don't need... I can tell you this way. I don't. I didn't even know how to edit videos. I didn't even know how to edit videos. I went on YouTube, taught myself how to edit videos, and there I was. Mm. This food bangs was born. Mm. You know that, that, came from video, risk, that came from risk. That came from you mm. innovating and trying something different, rather than staying in your comfort zone. This is what I'm trying to teach the kids. Mm. So when these kids are looking at us, you do your podcast, me doing the videos, they'll be like, right, yo, sir, is that you, yeah? Mm. I'll be like, yeah, man, I thought I'd do it. Do you know how big that is for them? Mm. Because they've probably been battling that, that you know, fear, mm. just that word, that word of fear, that taking risks, they'd probably be battling it. And if they see you doing that, in, the, in 10 years' time, they'll be like, look, you know, my teacher did a YouTube video mm. you know what I mean they ask me all the time they're like oh how do you how do you put your videos all together I'm like Look, I just I just learned off YouTube tutorials mm. this is the world we live in now Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying so it's, it's, it's just having to teach these kids how to be resilient how to take risk how, how to be fearless mm. because what's going to happen is that you know Brexit is coming the world is going to change mm. you know the England in general is going to change. The UK is going to change. And it's like, how do they come out of that? You know what I mean? 
how do how do they come out of that so we've got to try and you know support them you know how to deal with things like mental health when you've been made redundant financial education as well Absolutely. mortgage bills how to you know mortgage budget bills. and finance you know going to university was life-changing for me i used to spend I used to buy loads of clothes all the time and by the time my first year of university ended i was looking at my bank account thinking damn I've spent everything. I ain't got nothing left. Now I'm eating oh. beans and toast for the next six months if I'm not careful. So it's really, really <laughs> that dynamic. Of, we, I didn't learn it at school, so I come from a personal experience. But as Ooh. teachers, you're right. There's got to be a more holistic approach where we're teaching these 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 young people. Life skills, children. Yeah. Life skills, bro. Life skills. This, these these are priceless. Mm. If someone was to, if someone told me that ten years ago, like or, or when I was in school, oh man, I'd have been taking risk left, right, center, bro. Mm. I'd have been taking the risk left, right, center, but because I came through an education system that was, um, you know, very, yeah, it's just not been disrupted. So it was like, yeah, go through the, the sixth form, go through, to, go, go to uni, you know, and even then when I was making decisions, I didn't even know what I wanted to do, but I thought it was the right thing to do because everyone's doing it. Yep. Same with me. You know what I mean? Everyone's doing it. So if my students come up to me now, and they say, sir, I'm not sure about going to uni. I say, don't worry. If you're not sure, don't go. Mm. Take your time. In the meantime, take a year out and do everything. Mm. Because you might end up finding something that you really like when you do everything. Send a bunch of emails, I don't know, saying that you want to go and shadow, I don't know, a fashion designer or a fashion, someone that sews or someone that, works in the sports industry just send emails out and just go and shadow them for a day and then come to that conclusion if it takes you two years so be it you know what i mean i do not force these kids to go to uni because they will end up hating you, <laughs> you know what i mean absolutely i i know some kids i've gone to university and i've obviously supported them with their ucas application and and they've turned around a quick they've quit after a year so they wasted a year and uh, they've turned around and said to me you know when they're working in shops I wish I never went to uni. It was never right for me. And I knew that as a teacher, it was never right for them. But because we're, mm. we're buying into the system of they all need to, we need to meet this figure and that figure, they need to go here, they need to go there. Some children just can't cope with it. And that's not a defunct. That's not a default. That's no one's fault either. They just need something else instead of university. 100%. There are options. That's what I always tell my students. There are options. It's not just uni. Mm. If, if you need, if you want the options, come and see me. Mm. I will give you the options. Mm. And it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. Mm. You're not supposed to have it figured out. Mm. You're not. Mm. Even if you do have it figured out, you might go and do, do the course and say, you know what, man's not feeling this anymore. Mm. We'll have to duck out of here. Mm. But it's okay. You know what I'm saying? And this is what I tell my students all the time. It's okay. You know, and they, you know, everyone gets scared and they're like, oh, but I, I need to go to uni, my mum. No, it's okay. <laughs> you it know what I'm okay. saying? Absolutely, absolutely. No. I think, you know, in particular, the BAME community as well, um, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the entire community. I'm not here to do that. But there's a big pressure on us to go to university, higher education, the respectable job. Uh, and I put that inverted commas because a respectable job is teacher, except doctor, etc., pharmacist, and meeting that aspiration. So I won't lie to you, when I was at school, I wanted to be a radio uh, host on a radio channel because I wanted to be a DJ, you see. It didn't quite work out because uh, A, I'm from Peterborough and B, I'm broke. So uh, it didn't quite, <laughs> quite work out. Uh, my, music, my musical taste wasn't great at the time either. It still probably isn't that great. <laughs> no, but honestly, that was my aspiration growing up. But when I, when I went to school, I, 
uh, my teacher sat me down. They go, what do you want to do? I, go, I want to go to university. I want to study music tech. Right. Did right. a couple right. of music lessons and it was all exams. And I was thinking, I don't want to do this. I fell out of love with it instantly. So I did sociology and politics. I thought, you know, what? I like this. This is pretty good. Let's, let's, let's start have these conversations, these deep conversations about inequalities in the world. And it's taken to where I am now, but I still think back to that child who wanted to do music. It was taken away from me by the curriculum, which was designed in such a way where it was so exam oriented and less and, and not enabling me to be creative like we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Education, it narrows down, doesn't it? Mm. It's crazy because life doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. You, know, you, you, you start off with God knows how many subjects. OK, you go to sixth form you end up picking four out of the 12 subjects that you did for GCSEs. Mm. Then you go to uni, you narrow it down to one. Yeah, one, yep. So you've killed your creativity. Mm. You have just basically narrowed it down to one. Mm. All right? Now, once you finish that degree, everything else is on that one particular subject. You've got to make that one degree count. Mm. I finished uni. Yeah, I went to uni, finished uni, sports science degree. I tried to get a job here, there, and there. Didn't get it. I ended up in retail. Mm. Because that, I, I, felt, I felt to myself, look, if, if I can't get a job with this degree, there's nowhere else for me to go. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and this, is, this is the problem with education. You know what I mean? It's, it, 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 it narrows you. It kind of restricts you. It does. It straightjackets you, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like there's no room to manoeuvre. Mm. This is all I know. This is all I have. If I don't get from A to B, what do I do? Mm. And you then, go on to retail. You're right, absolutely. It's about opening those alternative pathways, isn't it? And enabling children to have those alternative pathways. So, you know, I've got a question here for you, okay? This is a really mm. important one. Okay? If you became Education Secretary yeah. one year, let's say you're 12 mm. months doing a better Jeez. job than you know who, you know who, uh, I'm not going to mention his name because I think he's already blocked me on social media. But Name drop, man. Name drop, man. <laughs> Gavin Williams, you know, I call him honey a couple of times and he's kind of blocked me. <laughs> it is what it is, man. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what yeah. it is. Man. But if you could become education secretary for a year, Eli, mm. what are the main, let's say two things you definitely change. What two things would you definitely change about the education system if you had the power and authority to do so? Oh, man. I'll bring in more life skills, man. Mm. You know, financial management mm. for sure i will make sure that these kids understand how to manage their finances mm. you know um how to make uh, do investments how to invest their money mm. how to make their money grow for them rather than them chasing the money mm. all the time you know because these rich people are doing it man they are they're doing it they talk a different language to us bro you know what I mean? And, you know, I was, I was thinking, I, was, I read somewhere that if you want to make the working class feel uncomfortable when having a conversation, talk about money and politics. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've got to start tackling these things head on. Mm. Money, people like, you know, uh, Action Hero teacher said, people kill over money, mm. people die over money, People commit suicide over money. The end result always comes down to money. Mm. Whether you're alive or dead, mm. it's because of money. Mm. You've got to teach these kids how to manage their finances. Because when okay. you have nothing else in the world, yep. they, they listen, 
they they get desperate. People get desperate, man. I think you know what you mean by money, and I think Carl meant by when he, when he mentioned it to me as well is opportunity it brings the opportunities, those finance, the assets and the opportunities it brings people. It's not simply having, you know, a couple of hundred thousand pounds in your bank account. No, no, it's what you can do with it. It's what, what, what you, can you can go with it. It's, it's true. It's true. You know what I mean? It's, you can also look, if, if someone from our community, from my community or lives in a council estate, you know, had enough money, he will come back and try and rebuild his community. Mm. Look at Stormzy. Let's use Stormzy as an example. Tremendous. With all the money that he's doing, that he's getting, mm. he's sending, you know, a couple of kids off to Cambridge. Mm. That's someone helping out his community because of the position he's able to get himself in and because of his assets, like you said. Mm. You know what I mean? So for him, those kids going to Cambridge, that's his asset. Those kids are going to come out of Cambridge and they're going to be, you know what I mean? hopefully give back whether to your community and change the face of Cambridge. Of course. You know what I'm saying? And you know, you, um, I think you probably, you definitely know that I've spoke about people who gatekeep and there's people in our community who once they develop a platform, they, they, they detach themselves from the community. They, they become distant figures. And this is why people at Rashford for me are really important as well. You know, Marcus Rashford, long live Marcus Rashford. You know, he's, he's doing something that you won't expect a footballer to do. He shouldn't have to do it because his country is the fifth, sixth richest country in the world. But yeah. the fact that he is doing it and he's using his platform and his privilege to, to support people that of a similar sort of background to his own, um, these are people we should be aspiring for. These are the type of people that we should be putting on pedestals and, and, and learning about more and more because I think you're right, education, it, it, the history of it all and the way it's set up is we're celebrating a specific type of person and a specific type of achievement rather yeah. than the contemporary achievements that are going in front of us right now. Exactly, because you know what? That's a legacy. That's Marcus Rashford's legacy. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's what I always tell these kids. I say, you want to leave a legacy. Mm. You know, no matter what happens to Marcus Rashford, he, he did something. He used his platform to, to help others. Mm. You know what I mean? And this is the position that I want to try and get all these students in, where they can get somewhere and, and give back and use their platform to give back and help others. You know what I'm saying? Um, so financial management is big, it's big, 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 big. Teaching about investments, like you said, mortgage, um, uh, savings, you know what I mean? Budgeting. Because people are being, people are being made redundant now. Mm. What money do they have left? Mm. What, what's the, you know, what money have they got to fall back on? So there's all these little things that, like that's happening now. It, you can easily bring that into, you know, education for sure. Um, and yeah, man, just, you know what, creativity. I don't know, like, entrepreneurship. Mm. Giving, like, you know, giving that kid, like, giving students that, just that train of thought of creating something for themselves mm. that's going to either provide a service to, to, to people, I don't know how, but entrepreneurship for sure, it's big. Mm. Entrepreneurship, being creative, because it enables students to be, to be creative. And Eli, also, I think when you're talking about creativity, when I've done a podcast with somebody not long ago, and she talked about creative subjects, the likes of media, the arts, they need to be respected. They need to be given Absolutely. some respect, because, of course, maths, English, and science get the respect, and the, and the languages get their respect. 
but it's the arts, the, the, you know, the humanities, these creative subjects, the medias of this world, you know, dramas of this world, performing arts, music, these subjects deserve a similar level of respect, if not an equal amount of respect to the core subjects. So breaking that division down between core and options and allowing children to think that, yeah, I'm doing art GCSE and it's just as worthy as my English GCSE because it'll open up a door just like English will as well. For real. No, and, and it's important. Like they deserve massive, massive amount of respect because it kind of, it kind of gets these students to think in a way that they haven't thought about. Mm. In, a, in that way before, you know what I'm saying? It opens up a different sort of parts of your brain where it allows you, it kind of, you have to be creative. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You have to be creative. It's all well and good staying, yeah, put pen to paper, write this, write like this, write a sentence and all of that. But just starting like, you know, if you look at all these private schools, what they do, I mean, I, I, I interviewed someone like Reggie, Reggie Nelson. I don't know if you know Reggie Nelson, the fella, the black guy that went around knocking on doors. I think I'll come across him. Yes, I think I'll come across him. Yeah. And he, he made a, a very good point. He goes, is education a differentiator or an equalizer? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we need to look at because I've got my state, my state school, state comprehensive school. Are they getting the same resources as a private school will get now private schools he was saying that when they go in they've already basically networked mm. when they sit down and they're having dinner together that is a skill to network to communicate debates debating and Discuss. talking absolutely absolutely that's a skill mm. and in state schools that's we're not really we don't really respect that no we don't you know what I mean? So, I mean, he was telling us, you know, how these private school kids, how they, they're well prepped and how they equip themselves so that when they are out there in the outside world, in the real world, they're ready for it. They are hungry. They attack it. Eli, you know, at university, same thing at university with your apprenticeship, internship, sorry. They're the first ones to apply for these internships. First ones. First ones, bro. So then they attack it. They do. You know what I mean? When it's our kids, we leave them in the real world. They're puppies. Yeah. They're still babies. They're not ready. <laughs> They're not ready for what's to come. Yeah. But those guys, they are three steps ahead. They know what to wear. They know how to talk. They know about body language. They know what tie, even to the tie they wear. Yeah. So this is the thing. This is where we need to ensure that our kids are ready for the outside world, for the real world. Absolutely correct. I totally agree. Life skills, for sure. Life skills are absolutely imperative. It's, it's embedding that across the curriculum as well. So, Eli, I'm just, I'm just conscious of time, okay? And I've got a question here, okay? Um, it was sent, to, sent by one of, our, um, one of our followers. I said we've got a mutual follower. Um, this yeah. person was talking about sort of... Um, I think you've been quite focused on it. I focus on the whole notion of inclusion and diversity. And I'm very conscious of like ramming that down people's throats because I know some BAME educators rather not talk about it, but I know yourself and Carl, you're open and you speak about it quite regularly as well. Yeah. Inclusion and diversity is becoming huge now. I think you know that. I know that as well. Right. What does it mean to us? What, what does inclusion and diversity mean to us? That's, that's the question she left, us, left for us. What does inclusion and diversity mean for us? A fair chance, a fair shot. Mm. That's what it means. Yeah, a seat at the table. You know, a seat at the table. You know, I mean, you spoke about the gatekeepers. And I'll, you know what? I'll be real with you, Shuei. 
I'm tired of hearing these gatekeepers. I'm tired of hearing about, you know, us having to be submissive and beg for a seat at the table. We shouldn't have to beg. No, we shouldn't, no. You should be looking at my CV. They should be looking at your CV and saying, yo, okay, you know what? Come take a seat with us. Mm. But instead, we're begging. We're on our knees. Mm. You know what I mean? And with us being coming from a, you know, me coming from an African sort of heritage, my mom's Ghanaian. I remember when my mom always used to be like, oh, keep your head down. Try stay out of trouble. You know, just say yes. You know, the more you do that, the more you keep your head down, the more they have got, you know, their, their, their knees on our necks. And I'm tired because I think we're, we're all in very good positions to build our own buildings. Of course, of course. Rather than begging for a seat at the table inside the building, we could build it. You know what I mean? Because let's, let's take the BLM movement, for example. Yeah. You know, in those four to, four to six weeks, a lot of noise was being made. A lot of noise. A lot of noise was being made. Nothing came of it. Let's be real. What's changed? Mm. Nothing, nothing. Honestly, we've seen very little actual change in day-to-day life for, for a black and Asian person on the street. Let's just talk about how African-Caribbean people living in the UK. They're still mm. nine times more likely to be stopped in search. They're still six, time my, more, uh, six times more likely to be ex- permanently excluded from school. Nothing's changed. And we've got this argument mm. constantly as well. And you see it on social media and I avoid it now. Mm. BLM is political. BLM is political. If equality, when equality becomes political, I don't want to be in that conversation. Equality yeah. should be something we should all strive for, full stop. Absolutely. It's been, it's been stolen. It's been hijacked. It's been um, hoodwinked. And, and these camps have been formed. And I'm trying my absolute best to stay away from them because they're trying to paint me as a, as a you know, some sort of like, you know, you know, some sort of like, you know, radical left-wing person. I'm mm. not. I just want to have an equal opportunity as everybody else. That's all I'm asking for. And I got fed Simple. up of asking, so I started doing it myself. Simple. Simple. And that's all we're asking. We, we just want a fair shot. Mm. We want a fair shot. We want um, the truth to be told in the curriculum. We don't want the curriculum to be whitewashed. Mm. You know, as they say, the conquerors tell the story. Mm. You know, so they always tell these stories of what's happened. And, you know, we're always learning. And don't get me wrong. Look, I, I like American history. What about the British history? Mm. Come on, you can find me a, 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 a black uh, British version of Martin Luther King here as well. Of course, and we why, don't don't we about, yeah. why don't we learn about stuff like that? Why are we always pointing the finger to to America? And that's just so that we can remain docile. Of course, of course, and stay out of the conversation. Stay out of the conversation because their history, it's not a nice history either. No, it's not. Include that in the curriculum. That's what we mean by diversity. Yeah. Be honest. Don't hide the truth from us. Yeah. Let's tell tell the truth mm. inclusivity we want to feel included we want a fair shot I, look in my school senior members uh, uh, what there's about five senior members one black senior member mm. yet yeah, it's a diverse school multicultural school mm. i want to just I hope, I hope that in the future I see, I see um, people at the top of the hierarchy that gives a true representation of diversity and inclusivity. Mm. Because we're not, we're not. 
I think it's just it's uh, the amount of people. What black head teachers is below, or BAME head teachers is below one percent. I think it's one. Oh yeah, one one percent. I think it was yeah, around below one percent. Yeah. Is that fair? Not at all. It's not fair. It's not fair. So that's what we mean. It's just getting a fair shot. Mm. Getting a fair shot and really changing up the curriculum. And, you know, everyone gets a fair shot, making sure that, you know, uh, teachers and uh, the positions, the senior positions are diverse. You know what I mean? Because kids, they, they pick up on these things. My, my students pick up on these things. They're like, sir, you, how comes you're not ahead of this? Or how comes there's only one black? They see these things. <laughs> They're asking questions because if they see that, They'll be like, "Raw, is this what the outside world is looking like, man? Is this what's going to be happening when I leave school?" This is we've got to be very careful. Eli, I've had Pakistani British boys say to me, "Sir, you're the only Pakistani British te male teacher I've uh, we've had. They're 16, 17 years old, and you yeah. don't. I don't respond. I try and avoid the conversation with them, and then they turn around and say, "Oh, either either you either you got it easy, you got it really easy at school, or." You just got really lucky. And my argument was, why can't I just work hard and get there? And their, their reply normally is, hard work don't get us anywhere. We always stopped. We're always stopped somewhere along the way. And that aspiration being blocked is so symbolic of how many, how so many of our BAME children feel. They see the lack of diversity in these positions higher up the ladder. And they think, yeah, if society reflects our school, we're not represented. Why should we try to be part of the wider structure? Why should we be, want to be part of it? Absolutely. And this is what this is what it is. And that's that's the harm you cause when you don't when you're not inclusive, when you're not diverse. These kids are seeing that and they're gonna be like, rah, I don't know, man. Hard work meritocracy doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're constantly gonna be looking at the the colour of their skin and Hopefully, I'm hoping that, you know, something changes along the line. I'm really hoping so, because right now, I'm not seeing that. I don't think I'll see a change for, for now. I'm sorry to be a pessimist, because after the whole lot of uh, noise that we were making during the whole Black Lives Matter pro protest, here we are. Mm. Six months later, we're still talking about back in the same place that we were before George Floyd happened. And I think something that's really symbolic as well, Eli, someone said to me, there's been many George Floyds before, there's going to be many after. And it, I, didn't, I didn't think much of it at the time. And I thought, you know, now I'm thinking about in hindsight, six, seven months on. Yeah, that's true. There are going to be many before and many after. And just because their names are elevated out there, like Breonna Taylor, for example, no one talks about mm -hmm. her. No one dares mm -hmm. mention their name. If we look in Britain, Stephen Lawrence, I know we're talking many years back, you know, 20, 30 years back, nearly 30 years back, mm. this mm. murder of Stephen Lawrence, those murders are still walking around southeast London. The fact that we're not having these conversations, we're implicitly moving away from that dialogue, we're allowing these um, gatekeepers to step in and speak on our behalf. It's a scary time. It is a scary time. It's a scary time. And do you know what's even scarier? You said it's not going to be stopped. It might be me. Mm. It might be me. This is the reality, man. Mm. This is what we have to live with. And this is why we were so hurt by this, because that's someone's dad, that's someone's brother, that's someone's uncle. You know what I mean? Mm. That could be me. Mm. I could be... Look, I've been stopped so many times. For what? For no reason. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And this, this is our reality. 
you know, and this is why it is so important to to ensure that we are diverse, we're inclusive, especially when we live in London. Mm. Gee, I live in London. You telling me you on in my school there's only one black senior member, one. Frightening, isn't it? It's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. Scary, scary. There needs to be a radical change, definitely. And I think people like the Bay Med, they're doing some great work as well. But the grassroots is very much at that very, even the employment of staff, you know. Um, not too long ago, I sat on an interview panel uh, at a school that I was working at. And um, the school's very diverse. And all the people at the interview were inter- doing the interview were white, apart from me. And in my yeah. argument with the, I asked her teacher, I said, you know what? We've got five BAME candidates. How do you think they feel coming into a school like this? Oh, it doesn't matter. But then I was a token Asian. I was a token person in that room before them, enabling them to project their views on me. And I mm. felt very uncomfortable by that. But it starts at recruitment. It starts at even the cleaner level, you know, even the level of like cleaners and yeah. you know, governors, the very low mm. level building up to the CEOs, you know, leading into the, you know, the main stakeholders in the mat, the head teachers, etc. So it, ha- it has to happen. There's got to be a chance for us to see people who are like us in positions of power, reflecting our opinions and, and worldviews. Absolutely. And, and it's simple. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about problems that can easily be resolved here. Mm. You know what I mean? Easily be resolved. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, none of this positive discrimination thing where you're just putting a black person in there. I'm just saying, check your CV, look at how, you know, it's all about merit. If they deserve it, put them there. You know what I mean? Put them there. It's always like, look, no disrespect, at my school, we, we you know, an and assistant head teacher role became vacant. And I knew straight away they're going to get in a white person. I knew. You know what I mean? That was the chance there. That was the chance to say, you know what, let's. Let's let's try look for, yeah let's try be diverse. I don't want to hear yeah the, the we interviewed a black candidate as well. Nah man, <laughs> come on, you know what I'm saying? E- it can easily be resolved, mm. easily be resolved. Um, and you know what? I think we are also in positions where we can build our own platforms as well. Of course, the amount of opportunities to make free schools and open up our own academy trusts, you know, those we, the BAME community is an intelligent community. I don't think we get the credit we deserve at times. There's some we incredible don't. people out there. We don't, we don't. And that's, that's come with, you know, obviously um, being oppressed for so long, mm. not being given a chance that, you know, we don't really take that initiative. But I think right now what Black Lives Matter has done is that it's empowered us. Mm. It's given us that form of empowerment. And I really, truly believe that things are going to change but we need to stop asking the government because they're not going to do anything yeah they made that clear they made that clear nothing's going to happen you know we always turn to the government oh please help us please help us you look at you look in the cabinet there's no one that looks like me no one so how do you expect these guys to empathize with us and remember what i said about empathy it's a mm. big thing of course they can't empathize with our feelings mm. have they ever been stopped in search Come on, you know, they're probably doing their dodgy dealings behind closed doors and getting away with it. Of course, of course, absolutely. I remember when um, your neck of the woods, Sadiq Khan, became mayor and everyone was saying to me, I got loads of messages on Twitter, Twitter and, and WhatsApp that night. They're like, oh, you got another Khan in the office, a Khan, you guys are doing really well. I'm, and my reply was, most of my community are poor. We're relying on food <laughs> banks, man. Just because yeah. he's doing well doesn't mean we're all doing well. Yeah. And again, it's that idea that there's Priti Patel. 
perfect example you know someone who claims to be the moral voice of authority in the in the in the asian community if she walked through my community right now we wouldn't open the door we'd lock our doors for her we open yeah. our doors for everyone we'd lock our doors for someone like her rishi sunak you know someone like that as well a millionaire i don't know any millionaires i don't know a single millionaire i wish i did but i don't i don't know any millionaires so again it's we want to have people in positions of authority to empathize with how we feel the stops and searches you know the extra airport checks the the stereotyping that we face the extra hurdles we've had to go through um, the schools that we go to and the lack of resources we have even the small things like we're walking across the road and there's people locking their doors or you can hear their locks pop on cars or yeah for real real. absolutely or when you walk into a shopping center or in a a, um, elevator and people are clenching Mm. their bags thinking oh they're gonna they're gonna steal us steal our stuff or you're being followed around the store by a security guard you know we've had those experiences and we want people to also have the experience say yeah this is a community this is how we can support them provide them with an authentic voice rather than just project other people's biases by just being there absolutely absolutely and this is the problem you know we we want to be heard but also we want you to understand our pain Mm -hmm. this is all pain and this is why we went on those marches because a lot of us has felt pain. You know, the white privilege, the way we've been held back for so long. You know what I mean? The, the uh, social injustice, the discrimination. It's long, man. It's it so is. long. It and the fact that I'm more likely to get stopped when I leave my house. It's annoying. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Yeah. It's long. It's long. So, you look, the, the problem it can easily be resolved. You know, let's be more diverse, but I want it to come on merit-based. Um, and also, we, can, we should build our own platforms, build our own thing, build our own thing. And I think, like I said, BLM has definitely empowered us, for sure. It's empowered me. Mm. It's empowered me. Certain things that, you know, I used to let slide. Now, in school, now I'm just, I'm talking up. I'm just like, nah, I don't like that. Mm. <laughs> you know? And I think before we were so submissive, but now I think a lot of people are talking up, talking up. When they don't agree with something, they say it. That's the way it has mm-hmm. to be. I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Absolutely. You know, this is uh, like, I'm just conscious of time as well, bro. We could talk for yeah. hours. Like, literally, we could talk for yeah. hours, couldn't we? I yeah. think you, me, and Carl and Nyla need to do a four way podcast. That's going to happen in the future. It's going to happen one day in the future, isn't it? No. You know, it's one of those ones where I'll just be listening, bro, because I'm in awe of those people, bro. When those they chat. incredible, man. Honestly, those guys. They're, I'm just like, bro. So when you told me, I'm like, whoa, I've got a big act to follow here, man. I was just like, yo. No, you, you know, this, is, this is where you earn your money, okay? This is where you earn your money, okay? Yeah. The biggest question, anti-small talk, okay? I always share music, okay? What yeah. is on your playlist? This is where you become immortalized on anti-small talk forever. Ra, what's on my playlist, bro? It changes on a day-to-day basis. It depends okay. what I'm feeling. Mm. I love 90s. I love 90s R&B. Yep. Love 90s R&B. So I share the same sort of uh, playlist as you do. Uh oh man, I love Drake, man. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna comment on that, but yeah, I'll keep that keep quiet on that. Yeah, <laughs> I better stay quiet. I'm a Drake fan. I'm a Drake fan. Oh, I'm trying to think what I was blazing the other day, man. You know, yeah. guess what I was listening to before I started this? Wayne Wonder. Wayne Wonder. Old school. Old school. Old school. Do you know what? I love a bit. Orange, black and orange, Sony Ericsson phone. I used to have oh, that. My dad Sony Yeah, my Sony dad me that. My first phone. And I used to play Wayne Wonder around the school. And some kid broke that phone. I haven't got over it. I'm going to find that kid one day. You wait and see. 
I tell you what, when that when that phone came out, I remember blazing Omarion Icebox. Oh, that's a banger. Big I got this icebox where my heart used to be. Oh man, I used to bang that on that Sony Walkman. And I used um, to play Akon, Akon quite a lot. Uh, Locked up. Akon, I tell you what, that Convict album was a game changer for that me. That was life changing. That was literally life changing. Akon Convict album. You know what, Donnell Jones, man. Donnell yeah, Jones was my go-to guy. Mm. Um, Akon Convict album. I had. Man, you're taking me back. I had Eminem. I had Ludacris. Ludacris was cool back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Sick, sick, sick. Oh, man. I was blazing up some Ludacris, actually. I had to. I had to blaze up some Ludacris the other day. Um, yeah, man. Do you know what? My playlist, it goes on and on and on. On and on and on. Bro, yeah. So Ludacris, Eminem. Uh, you know, I go back Stevie Wonder as well sometimes. Stevie Wonder's pretty cool, man. Do you know what I was listening to the other day? Daniel Beddingfield. Daniel, Daniel Beddingfield. Oh, man. I don't want to run away, but I can make it. What? Is that the video where he kept collapsing on the floor? That's the video, isn't it? He just that's the video, yeah. That's a, a video. You, really. know, you know what tune I was blazing, yeah? I ain't gonna lie. Craig David, bro. Oh, Craig David's amazing. Craig David, bro. I mean, Eli, early, not the current hench Craig David. He's no, 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 old no, no. Craig David, the, the fill me in, the walking. Yeah, those were the bangers. I'm mugging away. That's a banger. That's an absolute. And banger. Then you've got Rewind as well with both Selector. That's a banger Rewind, as well. Rewind, fill me in. Fill, fill me, me in. Absolutely. And then Seven Days. Seven Days, Rendezvous. Rendezvous, where to? What? Hey, Craig David was too much, man. You know what? That's my playlist, bro. Craig David. Too much, bro. Too much. Craig even, David. Even what he did with Sting was bad. That album, that album, Born to Do It, just changed the world. Like, even till this very day, children don't know what's going on. They're listening to all this rubbish now. Bieber and whatnot. Hey. They've never understood what Craig... Craig David brought something very yeah. different to this world. Craig David brought rhythm, swag. It was smooth. It was just his his... His vocals, oh man, Craig you, David was on another level, bro. You can listen to that Craig David with your girl. You can listen to it with your friends. It was such a bro. in the club. It's such a in in a cafe. It's so diverse. His music is incredible. It's nah nah. That guy, he was gone, bro. That time, at that time, Craig David was untouchable. Remember, he was the go-to guy. If you wanted a, if you wanted the, what's it, a feature, you'd yeah. be like, bro, can we can we get Craig on here, man? Can we get Craig? You know what I mean? Yeah. Craig David. What? He was too much, man. He was too sick. Too sick. Too sick. Too... Yeah, those were the days, man. You know, even So Solid, 21 Seconds. Oh, So Solid. Broken Silence as well. That's a good song. Oh, man. Too sick. Too sick. Too sick. Yeah, man. I've got a playlist. I've got a heavy playlist still. I can't lie. We'll have to but share it I... one day. Definitely. One day we'll have to do we a have... merge playlist. We have to. We have to. Because I see, I see your playlist. I see what you put up on Twitter. And I'm just like, yo, this guy... He knows his tunes in there. Yeah, a lot of Spice Girls on there and stuff, you know, to please some people. Yeah, you know what's <laughs> like, yeah. Bro, Spice Girls, guilty pleasure, bro. Why not, guilty man? Pleasure. I listen to, like, JoJo and stuff like that as well. You know, JoJo, get out. I listen to that sometimes as well. And then there's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. JoJo's sick. Guilty <laughs> pleasure. You know, even a bit of take that as well. you got to give take that a bit of a... Even a bit of Adele. Even a bit of Adele here and there, man. Why not? Hey, bro, Adele's bad. She's too sick, fam. Too sick. I don't too sick. Too sick. I like Adele, man. No, I like Adele. 
Honestly, Eli, it's been absolutely incredible having you as a guest. This is going to have to happen again eventually in the future. I think that four-way podcast can have to happen again eventually. But honestly, you know, I just come so excited to see where this food bank goes. Love your tweets. Love your ideas. I love the authenticity. Even meeting you that day was incredible as well. But guys, listen to this. Uh, listen to this incredible human being. He's a fantastic guy. Loving soul. This food bank is going to take over YouTube one day. And uh, you know what? I want him on the channel. I want him to present like Ready Steady Cook. I want to take over. <laughs> what do they say? Inshallah. Inshallah, bro. I hope Inshallah. so. Amen. Inshallah, we're going to have a Ready Steady Cook with Eli. That would be cool. That's it, bro. That's it. Because that's that's what I want to do, man. That's what I really want to do that. Um, please tune in. It's very, it's, it's very educational, informative, funny, um, heartwarming. And I really hope people tune in, man. It's This Food Bangs on YouTube. I've also got a podcast as well, you know, on Spotify. Oh, really? Fabulous. Yeah. We'll link to that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's, remember, it's Bangs with a Z. B-A-N-G-Z, man. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, it'll be good. It'll be very good if people can tune in. But, Shweb, honestly, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to step into your podcast and, uh, you know, allow me to be on your platform to voice my concerns, but also hopefully you know give solutions for sure absolutely and pleasure's all mine as well you know that i just think i think meeting you that day was a game changer man i was like you know what this guy man he's too cool he's too funny man he's too funny (laughs) bro you know what that day was a mad day bro you know what when you meet someone you really know what type of individual you're gonna you're gonna come across and i knew straight away i was like i can't wait to jump on now i'm ready i'm ready you know what i mean off the script. Off the script. No script. From the heart, um, off the heart. That's right. That's right. That's right. I want to say, listen, if you if you're listening into anti small talk, listen, this guy's gonna make it big, man. Bless He's giving teachers a platform. He's giving the Bay Medi- uh community uh, a platform. And man, forever grateful, man. Forever grateful for even inviting me on. So, God bless, man. Now, God bless. Truly, truly blessed to have you, man. Thank you very much, Eli. Come on. Cheers, man. Take care. Take care.